Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. Hello there. Glad you're here to listen to another story in our series called Grace Stories. Everyone has a story to tell because everyone is on a journey in life. And the story you're going to hear today is how someone met God's grace in their life's journey and how it changed their life. His name is Jeremy Edmondson. He happens to be the pastor of Grace Bible Church in Portage, Wisconsin. But he wasn't always a preacher. He didn't get there right away. He had to have some rebellious years. He had to play in all kinds of music groups, the last one being a Christian punk rock band. So he has a story to tell about why he is given his life in service to the Lord. It was a journey. And I want you to hear his grace story. I am here in Portage, Wisconsin, talking to my friend Jeremy Edmondson. We want to find out how Jeremy's story took him to being the pastor of the church in which I am now sitting but we don't want to get ahead of the story. We want him to tell us a little bit about his past and his life. Uh, Jeremy, where are you from? And tell us a little bit about your childhood. Well, I'm originally from uh, the great state of Kentucky and was born in in a little town called Henderson and lived in an even smaller town called Sturgis until I was probably about five. And then we ended up moving to Bowling Green, which is the home of the Corvette and um, spent pretty much most of my life there growing up, and we were a uh, middle-class family who uh, lived in the suburbs and uh, loved my neighborhood, and we uh, began to become more regular uh, churchgoers during that time until uh, the middle of my sophomore year, which led us to Indiana, and uh, people from Kentucky don't get along well with people from Indiana. That rivals (laughs) old, so... Uh, but that was an interesting transition. I finished out my high school years there. So in, in a nutshell, that's pretty much it. Okay. So you, you mentioned you, you went to church. It was a denominational church or independent church? It was a denominational church. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And uh, how, how seriously were you involved in that with your parents and family? Well, seriously, in the fact that we were regular attenders, um, I, I could tell that my parents were going through a transition to where uh, the Lord was really working in their lives, uh, helping them understand a little bit more about what it was to have uh, a, a Christian home and those types of things. And so my dad would would uh, sometimes uh, call me into the room and he and my mom and and uh, myself would sit down and, and do some Bible readings and, and, and short studies and things. But that didn't really come until probably later in my life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And... So how long did that, did that go on? Are you attending the church? Or you, I mean, were you involved in Sunday school youth group or uh, uh, high school changed things? Indiana changed things? Yeah. I mean, we were involved in, in the high school youth group. You know, it was more middle school, I guess, in my time when I was there. And, uh, you know, I had friends there. But, it, you know, there were, it was all about being there because friends were there. Uh-huh. It was about being there because of people that you normally didn't see. And uh, there were some people who were involved in all of that situation that, um, you know, probably didn't have a clue why they were there at church either. It was just kind of place that you went and, uh, hey, we're going to go to the bowling alley. That sounds cool. Let's do that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 
Um, your teenage years, how were they? Um, Things change? Very much so. I would say probably secretly rebellious. You know, I, I learned that if I got into trouble for something, and if somebody had said uh, where they caught me, how they caught me, I was real careful to make sure that I didn't make that mistake in the future again. And I, so I got it really good at concealing a lot of bad things that I was into uh, that, that was going on. And, you still going to church? Yeah, we were. Whenever we moved to Indiana, we found a, a church to go to. And from every remembrance that I have, it was a good church. Uh, but of course, there, you know, at that age, I'm interested in girls. <laughs> and uh, that, that was just a whole open, wide world for me. And... Um, you know, beforehand, it was just, uh, you know, I played drums, and so I was all into drums and listening to music and band class and those types of things. But when, when the idea of, of, of recognizing girls and dating and that kind of thing came on, it really took off in a different direction. So Took off in a different direction. Were you hanging around good people still or faking it on one side of your life and living another life on in with a different group? Or yeah, how, so how... it was very much a, a faking uh, a faking situation. Um Especially whenever we moved, because we moved to this large, we actually moved to a, a community that was uh, thriving and growing, but it was known as a more upper class type of community. And that just wasn't who we were. It wasn't the income level that we had at that time. And so when I started going to this high school, this high school was four times the size uh, of, of the high school I came from in Kentucky. And there wasn't anybody walking around and, you know, flannel shirts and listening to rock music and that kind of thing. These were These were people who were uh, wearing the best clothes that you could buy, and their band was, you know, the top band in the state, and you know, competing on state levels, and their football team was state level, and uh. and if you didn't fit into this clique, you were outcast, and the ridicule was real. You know, I remember one time uh, as a brand new student, it was my first week there, and I was going to the band class, a brand new band class I was in, and the instructor said, "Would anybody here like to take Jeremy to lunch and accompany him to lunch? He has a lunch. Would you like to take him?" The kid raised his hand. Yeah, I would. And uh, we, we walked out down that way. He walked off and left me. He didn't care anything about taking me. He really. just wanted to get out of class. He just left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, and that, that was that was the attitude normally there. Everybody was, was uh, rich, stuck up. You owe me something kind of mentality. Um, it, 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 was, it was a very different change of pace. And so what my response to all that was, was to close myself off uh, and, and pretty much shut down. Well, there's a lot of teenagers that can identify with that kind of uh, rejection and sure. isolation all around the world, and especially uh, in our, our country, we, we see that all the time. I remember those from my high school days. Um, so we want to try to figure out how you got from being a rebellious teenager to uh, being pastor of a church today. Uh, what are some of the, the things that you went through that opened your eyes uh, to where to bring you to where you are today well i think a a big part of it was is i i didn't get along with my father at all um he was more of a strict disciplinarian there are people that can relate to that yes yes <laughs> and that's and that's not any that's not to say anything bad about him yeah uh, i believe that it, in his position at his time he's doing the best that he could um he had a lot of pressure that was going on he's a sole breadwinner in the home uh, my mom, uh, who loves me very, very much and is a wonderful woman, uh, stayed home and didn't work. And, um, you know, she she wanted to be there for me and spend time with me and, and those types of things. And and um, but I I 
you know, anytime that somebody wants to try to force you to do something, our initial reaction is to back off of that mm-hmm. uh, or we cower in submission, which is never a healthy thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just found in every area I want to be rebellious. It's, that situa- it's the same situation. You just want to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you stop caring about what other people think, what other people feel, uh, opinions of people that have been there before and done that and made the mistakes. And you just disregard all that. And, and, it, and, it, and it puts you in the school of hard knocks. Um, like I said, when I got interested in girls, uh, started having sex at a way too young age, uh, doing things that, that felt good, but didn't understand the full ramifications of, of what it was about. And, and, you know, then those relationships fall apart and, and your heart's broken and you can't process that emotions at a young age. You don't understand that. Uh, and it's because I never should have entered into that type of relationship with that girl in the first place. And, and um, you know, there's just a lot of safeguards that are put up, not to oppress us, but but really to say you don't want to tread in this territory because if you do so wrong, uh, wrongly, it, it is going to result in, in unhealthy perspectives of the world. And that's exactly what it did for me. And I just stopped caring. Uh, and then when it came to a point where I was able to move out, uh, I got involved in playing drums in a band, which was my lifelong dream that I wanted to do. And uh, But I also got What involved. age did you move out? Oh, uh, that was eight, a little bit after 18 years okay. old. In fact, I tell you what's interesting about that is um, I was fighting against my parents going to church. And they told me, they said, as long as you go, as long as you're going to live here in our house, uh-huh. even though I'm 18, you're going to go to church. Uh-huh. And I said, I, I, I don't want to go to church. I don't like church. I don't care about church. Church is boring. I don't, I don't understand anything that's going on. I don't care anymore. I mean, that's the real thing. I don't care. And uh, I remember my dad looked at me and he quoted from Joshua. He said, he said, our house is going to serve the Lord. Uh-huh. And um, he said, as long as, you, as long as you live here, you are going to go to church. And I said, okay. And the next day I moved out. Uh-huh. Um, I, I quickly put some things together, got a friend of mine, came over, packed all of our, all, all my stuff that I, that I wanted to take. You know, my parents graciously let me keep the things I didn't take. Uh, they're at their place and stored them, but um, and moved out to my first apartment. And um, so like, it wasn't an outright fight. It was just a just a dis- discipline that you didn't want to submit to, and a rebelliousness. Very much so. But I didn't want to fight. Yeah. You know, I I was I was um, if I had to be honest with it, I was scared of my dad. Yeah. I was I was frightened to death, um, and I didn't want that fight. And so any. Any, any opportunity that I've ever had to state my opinion is always one that has an accelerated heart rate. You know, it's just, <laughs> that's just how it is. And it's gotten better. You know, I, I'll tell you this. Moving out was one of the best things that ever happened for our relationship. Because uh-huh. I don't think we began to appreciate each other until we were away from each other. You know, that's often true. That's yeah. often true. You get along. I got along with my father much better after I went to school, left, left home, went to school. But uh, so you're on your own. And yes. you're playing in a band, yes. and that's probably taking you to some places that had were full of temptations, also. Very much so, but it but it was it was surreal because you know my my dream was to play Madison Square Garden, you know, and and I'm doing this amazing drum solo, and all the lights are going off, all the people are, <laughs> you know, cheering and all that stuff like that. But well, we we began playing clubs, we began traveling. I'd never really traveled like that before, you know. I'd always traveled with my parents. You're going on family vacation. Yeah. But this was, you know, when we're in Southern Indiana, we're going to uh, Indiana State University where Larry Bird went to school. You know, we're we're playing a show there on campus. Man, that was a big deal for me. Uh, we're going to uh, University of Louisville because because where Evansville yeah. is located at the southern tip, 
we're at the most four hours from seven major cities in America. Huh. You know, so you, you've got St. Louis, you've got Cincinnati, you've got Indianapolis, you've got Terre Haute, you've got Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, I mean, it's, it's amazing all these places that we could easily go and still make the drive back that night and be home. So, yeah, we began playing Nashville, one of my favorite places, uh, and all these different places, meeting all these different bands, meeting all these different people, meeting all these different girls. Um, you know, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary to, to have alcohol around at any given time. And that just be part of what that lifestyle was like. And hey, let's be honest, a lot of it was... You got to fit in. There's a persona that you yeah. got to keep. Yeah. And what kind of music were you playing? Well, we started out. It's interesting. We started out playing um, this really strange, just heavy music, and our guitar player quit, and we didn't know what to do because we had a show book the next night, huh. and so we decided that we were just going to play the show without a guitar player. Uh, we had this amazing bass player that could play anything on his bass guitar. And then our singer actually had a background in music theory, and he played trumpet and percussion instruments. So he pulled together all these percussion instruments, started incorporating his trumpet, and we started doing this three-piece, no-guitar thing that sounded like hip-hop with uh, with uh, <laughs> symphonic arrangements on it. I mean, it was just, it was bizarre and strange, that's and it was, it was creative, and uh -huh. that's what I loved about it. I found that I loved sitting with talented people who were more way more talented than me. I'm not a good drummer, uh, but way more talented than me and really caused me to try to step up my game so that I could be part of the creative process. And that right there was a thrill. Yeah. So that was great. So that's, that's the band we started out with. Mm -hmm. um, How long were you involved in music and bands? Uh, you know what? I, I actually did that until about four and a half years ago when we moved up to Wisconsin. I was still playing in bands here and there, and and, okay. and you know I've always different kind of music, just different kinds of music, pop music. Uh, I got hired out to be the the touring drummer for a Christian band one time that that actually sounded kind of like James Brown, uh, which was great. And so that was fun because you're playing funk music, yeah. And so that's fun. Um, but but the the one that I really enjoyed and that we probably had the most success with was a punk band called the Redemption Song, and uh, it was a Christian band, a Christian punk band, Christian punk band. I see a lot of us might not understand what punk music is all about. Punk music is about energy and aggression and um, blowing off steam and and um, trying not to take yourself too serious necessarily, even though the lyrics might be serious. So a Christian, Christian punk band mm -hmm. is blowing off steam yes. about something. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. See, these are the pieces I need to put together to try to understand punk music. Well, it's very, it's very um, much less Christian punk music. Than that. Well, I'll tell you something that's interesting. Uh, the guy who I moved in with whenever we left was a guy I met when we first moved to Indiana, and his name was Nathan Schroer. You can actually find his testimony uh, on the uh, I Am Second website. Huh. Uh, and Nathan uh, is was a, a brother to me, best friend I've ever had. And uh, was honestly, uh, a lot of times, a real jerk to me. But as a kid, you know, I'm looking for somebody to belong to in this place where I'm closed off. And he and I moved in together, roommates together. Uh, every band I was in, he was in with me, you know, and, and we, we just had this chemistry of playing together. And he, uh, we, we were in this punk band together. Um, and, you know, eventually time came, he started adopting kids. Uh, and, and, and we, you know, got involved in ministries and this kind of thing. And in the band, we just decided to end the band. We're, of course, we're always friends. 
and uh, he ended up coming down with leukemia. And he uh, was in remission two times, but the third time it was clear that he wasn't going to make it. And and when he died, um, it was a really uh, difficult time. Uh, it was much easier to, to process because uh, because I'm a believer in Christ, and so you you have a lot of hope when you're working through the death of someone. And he was a believer in Christ as well. We were both actively involved in ministry. But he was pretty young. Well, he's a couple of years older than me at that time, but that was 2013 when he died. Um, and it, it was hard to see that happen. Uh, it was hard to see him. Uh, in the end, he's on morphine to stay comfortable. He's non-responsive. His body's starting to swell up those things. It's hard. Yeah. You know, I'm, 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 I'm holding his hand, praying. Yeah, with cancer's him. terrible. And uh, I tell you, but what was the joy out of it was um, I was cleaning out an old email account. And we had gotten to the point where guys in the band had started moving away because of jobs and things. And we were, well, how are we going to keep this band going? We're, we're going to record music on the computer and send it to one another. And I actually found two skeletons of a song, guitar-wise, that he had recorded huh. um, that we never recorded. Huh. And so after he died, uh, we uh, were able to get the guy who sang uh, on these songs to come in. And uh, I played the drums and the bass guitar over the top of them, and we wrote these last two songs, and we finished them, and were able to release them. And um, I had the privilege of writing the lyrics for a song called I Was Young Twice, talking about what it is to be born again. And um, the interesting thing about the song, you know, you think about what punk music is, and that song sounds very dark. It sounds kind of like Black Sabbath, a little dark. Um, But it was very much about how I was asking the question... How would Nathan talk to me and his wife, Lindsay, and his three kids after passing? What would he say? Uh-huh. And it's pretty much like your your care has always been in the hands of Jesus. Uh-huh. Always. Even though I was there as your, as your friend and your husband and your provider and, and, and your confidant and those types of things, care has always been in Jesus' hands. Yeah. And... Um, and the reason why I say all that is because um, people people don't want to listen to punk music because it's loud and it's a ruckus and crazy and and all that. But but every I think every art, as long as it's sincere and especially when Christ is the center of it, is so it can be so meaningful. Well, this is probably the first time in my life I've said that, but I'd actually be interested in listening to a punk song. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one you're talking we about. We can arrange that. We'll, 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 yeah, you'll have to send that to me. Um, but I imagine people are right now wondering how how do you go from being a punk rock drummer to uh, a pastor of a very a nice, uh, large, healthy, vibrant church. Mm-hmm. So something happened there to take that leap, make that transition. The 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 concise answer because it's the consistent answer. Is the grace of God always? Um, you know, it, you you never know where the Lord is going to lead you. And I have been amazed at how He has opened doors uh, that that I'm undeserving of. But He He still wants to use, even though I know all my imperfections, even though I understand where I fail, where I mess up, if I get discouraged. God is always looking for an opportunity to use every single person uh, for His glory to do amazing things that they couldn't do by themselves. And, and, you know, when I, when I came here to this church and, and was talking to people just in an interview process and that kind of thing, I met the previous pastor here 
uh-huh. uh, who has Parkinson's, and that's the reason why he had to step down. And he is, you know, like like yourself, he has a doctorate degree. He he knows the Greek and the Hebrew. I can ask him any Greek and Hebrew question. He can answer it off the top of his head, even though he has Parkinson's. I mean, just amazing, gentle, wise, kind. And I sit here and said, Lord, what in the world are you doing? There's no reason I should be here. I can't compete with this guy. I'm not about that. And and, and I realized what he was teaching me over time was I'm not asking you to compete with another Christian ever. Yes. What I'm asking you to do is step through the door I'm opening for you and be and be faithful with it. And I will provide anything that you need on the way. And good grief, that has been such a um undeserved blessing. I mean, I don't even know how you put something that is amazing like that in words, because I see his hand everywhere, providing for my family, and providing for my ministry, uh-huh. and providing for when I need to sit down and talk with people about a death that takes place. Uh-huh. Um, you know, those those experiences going through the band taught me what it was to associate with people, what it was to work well with other people. And and, and by his grace, this is the first time I've ever had a, a staff, really, uh-huh. you know? And, and so, like, in a situation like that, there's there's nothing but but a gracious disposition between all of us and our staff, and we have this common understanding that we come back to saying, "Wow, that we saw how the Lord really put these people." You know, our youth pastor, very unusual circumstances, but here he is. Uh-huh. We see the Lord's grace in that. Uh-huh. You know, our worship and music director here, she's actually uh, 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 contracted out yearly with the Madison uh, Opera as an opera singer. Wow. I mean, she's an incredible soprano opera singer. She's uh-huh. she's world class. And so I just see how the Lord is bringing these amazing people into our lives. They're just, um, they're amazing people that have been touched by the grace of God as well. And, and it's really something just sweet and special about that. Yeah, I've met, I've met a lot of the staff, probably maybe all of them. They're all very nice. Everybody's been really great, great yeah. here. Uh, you didn't set out to be a preacher, though. So some people talk about being called to be a preacher, called into ministry or something like yes. that. When, when did, did, God nudge you in that direction. How did that happen? I mean, uh, that that transition period where you say, I'm going to try something different. Sure. Because you had a church before this church. I did, yes. Um, well, we're, if, I, if I back up before that, where it started out was is I had a, a job where I was loading vending machines for a living. And at that time, I was listening to a preacher on the radio while I was filling an order. And it just overcame me of the idea of you're called to preach. And so I called my wife and I said, I think I'm called to preach. And she knew it way before I did. You know, uh-huh. she has that discernment way before I did. And she said, well, yeah, I, I knew that. <laughs> and, I th- and, you know, then you feel silly because you didn't see it like they did. But that's the whole reason why you have somebody that you're married to like that. So yeah. um, after that, we started making plans. Of how do we get into ministry? And, and so what happened was is uh, somebody graciously took me under their wing, who was a youth pastor, and uh, began to give me opportunities to teach in the church and help me. Uh, would discuss issues with me that I was seeing in the Bible text all the time and pointing me in interesting directions. And um, I actually think he was a person who let me know about your ministry for the first time. Huh. And so then I really began to learn and grow when I started to recognize, well, there's other people out here that, that uh, you know, are really, really stating things in a way that is easy to understand that, that I can learn and grow from. And um, that lasted for for a little while, helping out with the youth group until I had a, a doctrinal disagreement with somebody uh, and that was over the issue of you can lose your salvation and I, as I was studying the scriptures I just couldn't see it I couldn't understand how that could come and so that actually ended up to uh, my wife and I um, deciding that it would probably be best not to be there if that's what that church believed uh-huh. 
because uh, we didn't agree with it. And we actually stepped right into the pastorate for the first time. So from an assistant youth pastor into the pastorate of a small little 20 person church out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after being and, and they told me up front, you know, they said, we don't believe that you can lose yourself or we believe you can lose your salvation. I said, well, I don't believe that if I come here and and seek to teach the word of God. Um, are you okay with me not believing that? They said, yes. Well, that only lasted six months. And, and they told me, I said, we, we can't, we, we can't do this because, you know, I was finding all of these evidences for just God's grace being sufficient to keep us uh-huh. and to not let us go, you know, and, and the double fisted grip of God, you know, from John 10 and those types of things. And so I ended up getting a youth pastor position at a different church. And it was after a couple of years there that some guys came to me and said, uh, have you ever thought about planting a church? I said, well, what all, what all does that entail? Yeah. Well, you got to move into a, you know, a different place and uh, you'll have to do outreach and you don't have anybody to start with and you don't have any money to start with. And, and, and I told him, I said, no, I said, I'm living in a parsonage and somebody's mowing my yard and I got a steady salary and I don't have to, you know, that, that all sounds like uh, craziness. Why would I give all this up for that? And, and, and the Lord began to really put pressure on my life of realizing this is not where I want you in this youth ministry position. I've opened this door, so you go do this. And so we actually went out and planted a church uh-huh. that reached 20 and 30-year-olds. And I was 30 years old when we when we set out to do that. Uh-huh. And for six years, I was the oldest person in the church. Wow. And it was incredible. I mean, yeah. college kids that, that you know, didn't really know much about the Word of God at all. And, and it was an exciting time, and it was a difficult time. Yeah, planning a church is a difficult Very endeavor. Difficult. I speak from experience. Yeah, yeah, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, yeah, and, and you know what? I, largely, I didn't. They put us in a in a basic training for church planting, but it was three days of cramming your head full of crazy things. And yeah, I tell you what was most beneficial about that though is that really gave me a set aside time where I could really put put a grasp down on the scriptures more firmly, and I started wrestling through a lot of issues about. What does the Bible really teach, and, and what does the Bible not really teach? Uh-huh. Uh, and that's where the appreciation for grace really became to the forefront, because when you're out sharing the gospel with people, and you want to keep it simple for them so that they understand it, you sometimes ask the question, well, why didn't I hear the gospel simply like this when I heard it? Or how come I heard that person share, but it wasn't as simple as what it was? And what I found is a factor that's missing out of that usually is grace, uh-huh. is that grace is what makes the gospel much more simple for someone yeah and so um we we were there for that church plant for 11 years and the lord just began closing doors and, and preparing our hearts and letting us know we're moving you to where i want you next and and here you are we want to obey yes. yeah but uh talk about grace being an important part of your ministry uh do you, you think people recognize that when they come to this church or that your other first church plant um that grace kind of sets a church apart from other churches in the area? I have no doubt about that at all. And in what ways? Do you that think would, they notice that, or do they say that to you? Very much, yes. Anytime that, I, you know, I have some people that will come up to me after a sermon, and it's, you know, as a, as a pastor, it's one of those sermons where you, you're done, and you're kind of sitting there going, wow, did that really matter at all? <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. we get those feelings. And then you have somebody come up to you, and, and they, um, I've never heard that before. That that's what do you mean by saying that? That's that's I, I how can that be true? And and what you find is is all those conversations center around them coming to a greater grasp of how extensive the grace of God is. Hmm. It's almost like our minds always want to put a boundary on how yeah. far God can go. Yeah. And if you think about it, God gave His Son. Yeah. 
That's how far he's willing to go. Mm-hmm. And that very simple but incredible uh, point still seems to, to elude people sometimes. And so you just keep reiterating the grace of God to them and the Lord Jesus Christ dying for your sins, dying in your place, raising from the grave so that you could have new life as well in the here and now and, and in the life to come. So uh, that that is just incredible. And, and a lot of people come from uh, a, a church that has told them, well, you have to perform these works. Well, you want to do this checklist. Well, you want to make sure that you keep you know, these spiritual appointments. And, and what you find is that people are burnt out from that. They stopped going to church because they recognized I can never reach that criteria. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they, they, they got so discouraged to where they, they decided they're just going to live their life. And they did that to put it out of their mind. Yeah. And so here comes grace as this incredible attention getter. And now they can't get away from it because it's completely unique to anything they've ever heard. I really like the way you say that, that, and I think it bears repeating that people want to put a limit to God's grace. Absolutely. And yet we see a God who gave his only son and talk about no limits. Yes. And that's why we call it amazing grace. And that's just a mind boggling thought. We can never plumb the depths of his grace. Very much. Well, how do you think you, you, you know, church when you were young was an oppressive thing. Mm-hmm. And how do you think you missed the grace of God or was it in that church or did you just discover it on your own? Because there's a lot of people probably have the similar backgrounds or listening to this saying, yeah, church was dull, boring, oppressive. Is it their fault or the church's fault? Um, well, if I had to be honest and blunt, I believe it's the church's fault. Uh, we're, we're called to make disciples. But I think that if our equivalent of making disciples is giving people a checklist of, of disciplines that they have to keep in order to be spiritual, we've really missed it because we've done nothing but put them under a different set of works maybe than what a previous church did or a previous person told them needed to happen. Um, I, I think that the church's responsibility is to keep grace free. And when we make the when we make the dangerous mistake of mixing justification, which is an instantaneous thing that God does in, in response to our believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we mix that with sanctification, which is a lifelong progress of growing in the Lord and learning, uh, we we have created a very dangerous um, teaching that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ at all, uh, and should be completely rejected. And 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 that's a lot of what we find the te- do the, the churches teach today. And people get frustrated because they can't live ever live up to all those do's and don'ts. Yes. And that long list of rules. Yes. But God knows that we're going to make mistakes, and His grace covers those. Doesn't give us an excuse to sin. No. But the more we understand His grace, the more we want to leave those things behind and, and live for him. Absolutely. And, and that's what you find is, is, is grace. When, when we find points where our sin stops being satisfying like it previously was, you know, it's just, it's the thrill is gone as BB King would say, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. When the, when the thrill of sin is gone, people are often asking themselves, well, 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 how come this isn't working? Why is that not it? And what you find is, is as you learn more about the grace of God and all that he has done, and providing us salvation, his plan for the future, his incredible hand in creation, how he has, has orchestrated all of existence, and, and just how incredible he is, and his very personal and real love for people. Sin seems almost silly. It almost seems ridiculous that we would want to participate in sin, because it, it, it hasn't, it's so apart from who God is and all that we're learning. And so, yeah, there becomes a, a dissonance there that, that sometimes becomes unlivable. Yeah, and you find the reason is is because grace is winning in yeah. our lives. So, and yet people do 
still struggle with sin. You and I still struggle with issues. Yes. Of course, we have, we have pride, we have anger, yes, uh, things like that, and that will continue until uh, we're sanctified uh, totally yes. and, and become like Jesus Christ. So that doesn't mean that we become perfect. But uh, so now you're you're pastoring, and uh, you you've got a wonderful church here. People love you, and I know you love them. And you're also an author. You've written uh, and contributed to a number of things, mm-hmm. and uh, we've worked on some projects together. I'm, I'm sure people might like to listen to some of your messages. And so, how would sure. they access that? Where would they go? Well, we have a, a website, gbcportage.com, uh, and, and that's uh, you know Grace Bible Church is the name of the church, but GBC, and then Portage is P-O-R-T-A-G-E dot com. And when you go to our site, just up in the top right hand, you can find a sermons link. Just click it. And uh, we have the past four and a half years of sermons there. And uh, the previous uh, pastor, Pastor Steve Corbett, uh, if you scroll all the way down to the first page at the bottom, you'll have a place where you can go to archive sermons and even listen to to some of his stuff from the past 20 years. So that'd be a good resource. There's a lot of good stuff on there. So, Well, Jeremy, appreciate you sharing your story with us today. Yes, sir. From from going from uh, punk rock drummer i don't know if i've ever talked sat and talked to one so long <laughs> to uh, a, a christian pastor dynamic christian pastor and preacher well there's some people who are listening who might identify with your past of being frustrated with traditional religion sure uh what would you say to them uh and and about what grace how grace can make a difference to them i would say that our insecurities our failures, we're, we're all acutely aware of every one of them. All of those things have never kept God from loving us. None of it. Uh, in fact, uh, God's heart is for those who are helpless and broken right. and sinners. And that is really where the grace of God starts to become um, relevant to us, is, is recognizing that in our condition, God loves and God desires and God seeks and, and and our sin never stops God from being gracious towards us. That is what grace is. We have we have a holy, perfect, amazing God who is otherworldly than what we are, and He is constantly reaching out and extending His hands of love to us when when we are so undeserving of receiving that. And He wants a relationship with us, and He gave Jesus Christ to make that possible, and He's the only way to make that possible. Um, and it is simply by believing in Christ that one can have that relationship with him forever, eternal life forever. You immediately receive forgiveness of sins. Uh, Your shame and your guilt has been nailed to the cross, and you are a brand new person because of what Christ has done for you, all because God loved you so much to extend his grace. And, and, And you can't talk about it enough. You can't exhaust the topic. It's on every page of Scripture. Uh, God is is just desirous uh, of us to receive his love. So... There are so many people who think that they have to change their lives and be better before God will accept them. And yet God is telling us he died for sinners absolutely, as sinners, and he wants us to come just as we are. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a great message. Well, Jeremy, thank you for your time. Thank you for your ministry. And uh, you have a wonderful wife and two two young boys. Yes, yes. That's and... a whole story of God's grace in itself. <laughs> we'll get yeah. to that next time. Yes, that'd be good. Families are always God's grace. To yes, us, so. absolutely. Uh, wonderful blessing. Well, thank you very much for your time, Jeremy. All right. Thank you.
That's Jeremy's story. You can hear some of his messages and see other resources at gbcportage.com. That's gbcportage.com. What Jeremy couldn't find in religion, he found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He came to know the grace of God through knowing Christ. Have you found that relationship with God through Christ? God doesn't have to be distant and unknown. He made his love known to you by giving his son for you. God loved us so much that he gave his son on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be with him in a sinless eternity. Just believe in him today and accept his gift of eternal life and you'll have the same kind of life change that Jeremy had. And then would you please subscribe to the podcast so that you'll be notified of future stories and other podcasts and leave us a note. Tell us what you think about Jeremy's story. Until all here, grace and peace. Thank you for listening. For more resources or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace at gracelife.org. See you next time.